Everybody doing good? Right, let, y'all can do better now. Let's say it again. Merry Christmas. There you go. That doesn't sound good. I mean, it is the Christmas season, and uh, hopefully you guys are excited about that. I love Christmas. I love the Christmas songs. I love what it's about. The true meaning of Christmas is something we should be getting excited about and celebrating. So uh, we want you guys to uh, to know that's uh, that's part of what this whole experience is and that this look is, is we want to celebrate the birth of our Savior. So, uh, man, we love that. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us. And uh, hopefully, prayerfully, God will use today's message to speak to you. I want to cover a couple of things with you, kind of housekeeping, if you will. And uh, you guys will get one of these as you leave this morning. And this is our annual review. We do this uh, every uh, every year. We put together something to just kind of show what God has done. We want to celebrate that. We believe in celebrating the miracles. And so next Sunday is our Celebrate the Miracles service. We'll be doing that in both services, and we want you to be a part of that. So before you leave today, pick up a copy of this. You can kind of look through it and see all that God has been doing in this past year. He's been changing lives. And it also has our proposed budget for the next year that will be in there that we will vote on next, next Sunday. And, uh, and so that's kind of one of the things that we do. Every year at Celebrate the Miracles. So we take the time to celebrate all that God has done, what He's doing, and what He has in store for us in the year ahead. So if you guys would, get one of those before you leave, and you can kind of look through that and see. Now, here's a cool thing. As I was even looking at it this morning, you know, it's got some of the numbers of decisions and salvations and things like that. But even those numbers are actually old already because since we've got it printed, there's been like 18 professions of faith in the last three weeks in our services, and then some online. And so so those numbers aren't even accurate. God's even done even more things. And this morning in the first service, there was a young lady sitting right back there that raised her hand for salvation. And uh, we had our counselor sit down with her and kind of walk her through that. So that's just awesome how God is at work. And let me just say, that's worth a hand clap. Let's give it up for God right there, that He is moving in that way in our midst. And we are seeing people come to know Christ, and people are going to go through the waters of baptism next week. So... Next Sunday is Celebrate the Miracles. We will have uh, baptism as a part of that, and that is a major celebration for us as a church. So many of those that have prayed to receive Christ will be going through the waters of baptism. And if you have accepted Christ and you've never followed Christ in believers' baptism, get with us so that we can get you on that list and be a part of that. It's going to be a huge celebration. Now today, uh, we're going to be finishing up our, our series, Meals with Jesus, as we begin our trek and kind of move towards Christmas. But I really want to unpack this today, and you'll see if you look around the room, we've got communion set up. So today we're going to be, we're going to be sharing communion at the end of the service. So if you're watching online, go ahead and get the elements together, maybe just some crackers or some juice or whatever, and you can be a part of this as well. So we're, we're wrapping up our series, Meals with Jesus, and today we're going to talk about the Last Supper, but we're going to talk about a couple of other meals involved as well that are in the scriptures that Jesus was a part of. But I really want our focus to be here, but I feel like the others kind of help add to this meal. And uh, so we're going to kind of dig into that. So there's many meals in the scriptures, and and we're not going to do an exhaustive thing of all the meals in in the Bible. I mean, there's some where Jesus fed the disciples on the seashore. We're not going to unpack that. That would be a good one for you to go back and check out. That's where uh, Peter is reinstated. It's just some, some cool things. But we're going to take a look at the Last Supper today. But let's start with this one. Jesus visits Mary and Martha. He goes to, to, the, to them and he's, he's with them. And so as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the, by the big dinner she was preparing. Some of you might be able to relate to that over the last few days, the holidays, the Thanksgiving holidays, and even Christmas coming up, or maybe Christmas parties coming up. You kind of get focused on these big meals and these 
preparations that are involved. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. I mean, here she is. She's telling Jesus what to do. I'm like, man, does she know who she's talking to? She came to Jesus and said, all right, here we go. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. She, he, she's focused on all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And so what, what, what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, Martha, you're focused, you're distracted on the wrong things. And so he begins to address this with her. But Martha, and maybe you guys can relate to this, you, you know, you're a doer. Most people like to kind of put themselves with Martha that, hey, you're a doer, you get it done. You're always doing a checklist or you're the, you're the one that's the hardest worker. And, and so maybe you kind of put yourself there. But Jesus rebukes Martha here. And she was doing some good stuff, right? She was doing some things that you would think, well, that was good stuff. But she was missing the best. And, and so here's, here's what we see is, you know, that Martha, Martha made a good choice. She made a good choice. And sometimes we do make good choices, right? You say, well, that was a good thing that she was doing. She was preparing this meal. She was going to do all this. And she wanted it to be special because here is the, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, it didn't sound like it whenever she said, hey, will you tell her what to do? You know, and, and I don't know about you guys, but, uh, but with my boys, used to whenever they would be working, I'd have them doing a project. One would always want to come and tell me what the other one wasn't doing. Daddy, will you tell Zach to do this? Or, Daddy, will you tell Hunter to do this? Or, will you tell Christian to do this? And they always wanted to point out what the other one was not doing. And I wanted to always say, and you've heard me say this before, just do what I told you to do, and you'll be okay. I see what they're not doing, but I'm telling you, you do what I told you to do. And so here's the thing. If, if Jesus had told Martha, hey, go and take care of this meal, go handle all these details, then, you know, that'd be one thing because she would have been being obedient to Jesus. But this is what she took upon herself. This is what I'm going to do. And she said, I just want this to be nice. And I want it to be done well. And she, but she needed some help. She kind of over, maybe overstepped her bounds. She said, hey, you know what? I'm going to do too much. And some people have a tendency to do that, right? They want to, they do, want to do too much and it seems to overtake them. And then they're frustrated because they don't have enough help. Now, does that sound like y'all's mom at y'all's house or something like that? I don't know. But anyway, that can get you in trouble. But Martha made a good choice. But here's the thing. Mary made the best choice. Mary made the best choice. She sat at the feet of Jesus. She was focused on the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And there are times that we can get so focused on the details that we miss the best. And, and let me tell you, I'm, I'm one of those guys who I, I, I feel like the details are important. I tell our staff all the time, hey, guys, sweat the details. Because I feel like if we do a good job with the details, with the small things, it'll take care of the bigger things in life. And sometimes we, you know, we can get so focused on that that we lose our joy from focusing on details. And, and so here, you know, Mary made the best choice. She's focused on the main thing, she's focused on Jesus. She's focused on Him. She's drawn into Him. She's sitting at His feet. She's worshiping Him. She chose the best. And so Mary made the best choice. And, and I'm just telling you, there's times that we can let you know, the good get in the way of our best. And, and we have to be careful with that. So good can distract us from best. You know, and oftentimes what we do is we will say, well, you know, she was doing something good or I'm doing good. All right, but are you doing your best? Uh, you know, I, I think at times, you know, we kind of buy into that government mentality. Hey, it's good enough for government work. Like it doesn't have to be excellent. It doesn't have to be the best. It can be just good enough. And we do that in a lot of things, don't we? We, 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 we think about how we go about doing things and we say, well, I'm doing better than they are. Well, is that your best? And so my boys all played sports growing up and I would always challenge them to do things to set themselves apart. To kind of go that extra mile, to maybe work out a little bit harder than everybody else, or to maybe practice a little bit longer than some of the other guys. And, and they didn't always want to do that. And uh, I had one son who would always say, Daddy, I work out with the team. 
And I'm like, dude, that's what everybody else does. I said, why don't you do something to set yourself apart to where maybe, you know, you're you're maybe a cut above as far as ability or whatever. I said, but you have to work at that. It's not just going to happen. And so he would always argue with me that now looking back, he thinks I'm a genius now. But anyway, back in the day, it was always I'm doing what everybody else is doing. And what I call that is the Tebow factor. It's the Tim Tebow factor. It's like he would do a, a little bit more than everybody else. And I would see guys doing that. There would be times when we'd get done with practice that there would be a guy out there dragging a tire after practice, after we've done all of our stuff. This guy's dragging a tire trying to get better. And here's the thing. That guy that was doing that was usually the better player on the team. And, and I would always challenge my boys to do that. So I didn't want them to just be good. I wanted them to be the best that they could be. And that's what a coach is supposed to do, is try to get the best out of a player or whatever. And oftentimes we're, we're, we say, yeah, that's real good in sports. But let me tell you, it's even more important in life. God deserves our best. I mean, there's some of us that we just kind of, you know, we, we don't really go to bed on a, at a good time on Saturday night. We just kind of do up, say up, we do whatever we want to do. And then we come in here kind of halfway asleep, you know, whatever. Instead of going to bed at a decent hour and getting up and coming in and worshiping the truth and the spirit and bringing our best. Or maybe whenever we go to work, you know, instead of saying, hey, listen, I'm doing good enough because I'm better than everybody else around here. But say, hey, listen, am I doing my best job? Because we work not as unto man, but as unto the what? To the Lord, right? So am I the best employee or do I just want to just get a paycheck and go home? Or do I want to be the best at what I do? And so we have to ask ourselves, do I want to get distracted by just being good? Or do I want to be the best that I can be for God? And so here, Mary is focused on the best. Martha is focused on details and good stuff, but it's not the best. And so that's one of the challenges we have. So we must learn to say no, That say, learn that saying no is just as important as saying yes. There are some times that we just have to say no to something. And we, we get asked all kinds of stuff, you know, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, this is going, this table is set up for actually for next Sunday, just to kind of let you guys know, this is where we bring the big give offering, which will be next Sunday. And that missions offering, that last year we took up $100,000, which is amazing. And prayerfully, we will take that much up again this year or more. But I'm just asking everybody to give what God has put on your heart to give. Because I believe that what if we are all obedient to give what God has told us to give, then you know what? We have what God wants us to use for missions next year. But here's what I will tell you. Every year, I have tons of people wanting me to bring our church or to be me to come on a mission trip and I would say that all of that stuff is good, wouldn't y'all? But I believe that what is best is where God wants me to be. So I have to spend a good bit of time in prayer praying about, God, what do you want us to be a part of missions-wise? It's all good, but God, I want to be where you want us to be and where you want us to plug in as a church because I feel like that is best. There's all kinds of ways and, and ministries we could invest in, but we feel like we want to be good stewards, so we want a good return on that. And that and that's what this is. This is, hey, man, we want a good return. We want our people to feel like, you know, we invested in missions. We saw lives change. We saw souls saved. We saw the, the darkness pushed back and the kingdom of God expanded. We want to be able to see that. And so we want to make the best choice possible. So there are times whenever someone asks us, we have to say, no, we have already committed to an era. Or this is where we feel like God is leading us to be involved in. And I'll just tell you this, even in our own schedules, you know, we can get asked to do things. And there's times we have to say, you know what, we can't do that. There's times your kids may say, hey, can we have this? And you have to say what? No, right? Because it's not in the budget. We don't have the money for that. You know, and so we have to say no and realize that no can be just as important as saying yes. We do have to say yes to the right things, to the best things. But we have to say no sometimes to what is just good. And so ask yourself, man, am I just saying yes to, to what is good? And saying no to what is best when I should be saying yes to what is best and no to what is just good. 
So we have to work those two out. Martha was wrongly, uh, she, Martha wrongly assumed that Mary was being lazy when instead she was being focused. She was being focused. Now, let me just say this. There, there's two things, and my, my family knows this, and our staff probably knows this as well. There's two things that drive me crazy, and uh, I don't have much tolerance for, and it's being lazy and being stupid. I don't do well with either one of those. You know, I mean, it may sound harsh, but I'm just telling you, I have, I have little patience for stupidity and laziness. I mean, they just don't do well with me. And so when I when I read this, when, and, and, I'm, and I'm writing this, I'm sitting there going, all right, Martha wrongly assumed Mary was being lazy. So she assumed that she was being lazy. And so sometimes, you know, I'm, so I'm asking myself, all right, so sometimes when I see someone being lazy, are they really being focused? You know, just being honest, I had to ask myself, do I... Do I get focused on the fact that I think they're being lazy when actually they're being focused? And I'll tell you, a lot of times I'm not wrong, they're wrong, and there are times they may be right and I may be wrong. But it's a heart thing. I had to check my heart right here. And so maybe some of you guys have to ask, am I focused on the wrong things? Am I focused on the details? Am I focused on the stuff that really doesn't matter whenever the person that I think is being lazy is actually focused on the right things? So put yourself in that position. What are you focused on? And, and are you wrongly assuming things about people that they're being lazy whenever actually they're focused? They're not doing what you do. But here's the thing. You're so scattered. And you're so everywhere and you're trying to do everything, and trying to appeal to everybody. And you want everybody to see what you do. But yet they're focused and they're doing what God has put on their heart to do. And we, we have a tendency sometimes to want to play them down or, or berate them like she did in front of Jesus. Literally, we want to put them down because they're they're not doing what I do. They're not as focused as I am. On all this stuff. And actually they're more focused. You know it's kind of like whenever you go to these restaurants. Sometimes they start doing everything. And they start doing so much. That the quality of the food goes down. In other words they're not do- putting the best product out there. They're putting a lot of stuff out there. It's just kind of average. It's kind of good. And, and so what we like to go do is go to a restaurant. That man they specialize in one or two things. And man it is amazing. And so what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your life? Are you focused on what, is, what you do best? Are you focused on Jesus? Are you focused on the eternal things? Because Mary was focused on Jesus. She was focused on the kingdom. She was focused on eternal things. And what we're going to see in this next meal, the Last Supper, is that Jesus was focused. Jesus is focused on the cross. The songs this morning couldn't have set up any better where we're going today. But Jesus was focused on the cross. He was focused on, on, on redeeming you and me. He was focused on restoring Man to a right relationship with God. And so he was focused. So now the, the festival of unleavened bread arrived. And when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to, uh, to prepare it? They said, they asked him. And he replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples. He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. And that is where you should prepare our meal. And so they went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. And so when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Jesus is already, he already knows where he's headed. His whole goal in life was to do the Father's will. And he knew that the Father had put together this plan. He left heaven. He knew all things from heaven. He knew where he was headed. 
You know, and, and so he knows and here he is fully man, yet fully God. But man, he knows what he's about to head to. And look at what he says. He says, my, my suffering begins. And he was going to suffer for all of us, for our sins, for our lies, for our cheating, for our stealing. You know, he, he's going to the to the cross and he knows where he's going, but he was eager to spend time with these guys. He says, I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And what he's saying, hey, listen, you know, all of this is it was a, a foreshadowing, if you will, of what is about to take place. The cross, the cross is about to be the fulfillment of it. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And so here we see Jesus establishing the last supper, which would become the Lord's Supper or communion, which was what we're going to share in today. But he was doing something, and, and, and I love how Jesus has leveraged all these meals. And at every meal, he's leveraged it in some way, right? He's leveraged it to, to show what he's really about, that who he accepts, you know, to show those who have been forgiven the most, how much they love him, you know, how much they show that affection. I mean, he's, he's, he's leveraged these meals. And so this is what I would say to us. You know, we, we, we've lost this in some of our homes because we're always going through drive throughs and we're always in a rush and we're always racing to try to keep up our schedules and we overcommit to things. We don't say no to things and we've gotten to where we don't sit around tables anymore and we don't leverage that time to establish things, to teach things and to share things. You know, and they do a lot of studies and a lot of studies show that the healthier families are the ones that sit down to a meal and have conversation without phones and without TVs running, without a football game being on. But they spend time sitting around a table and they have conversations and they oftentimes what they do is they teach things. And oftentimes what they do is they establish things that are important. And so Jesus leveraged this. He leveraged this time around a table. He leveraged his time with these disciples to... To teach them a few things, to point to some things, and here's the thing, to establish some things that were important. And so this meal here, this meal has specific meaning for the church. You know, we, we look back and, and, and they're sharing in the Passover, and so it establishes one of the ordinances that we share today, communion, where Jesus says, hey, take this time to remember the cross, to remember the price for our salvation. For many of us in this room, like I said, there's there's been 18 or 19 people that have put their faith in Christ over the last few weeks. So they're what we would call new believers. But for many of us, we made that decision years ago. And there's times we can get so busy with life and so busy with the details. And, and we get distracted by the world and all that the world says that really Christmas should be and what life should be and all these things. And we begin to focus on those things. And, and, and what this teaches us is, hey, listen, slow down, take a minute and remember the price of your salvation. Remember the cost for your freedom to, to take the time to remember what Jesus did. And, and so this meal has specific meaning for the church. We, we take that bread, which represents his body that was broken for us. We, we take that, that juice and we go, this represents his blood that was poured out for my sins, for my lying, for my cheating, for my stealing, for whatever you've done. That's what his blood had to be poured out for to cover. And it's, it's not anything that he did. It's what we did. And so it has incredible meaning for the church. We take this time to remember during the Lord's Supper or communion. So we take this time to remember 
You know, I don't know about you guys, but I like to reminisce at times, you know, think back on maybe childhood memories. Like Lori and I were riding around last night. We were looking at Christmas lights and, and we were talking about the old bulbs. You know, remember the old big bulbs, the big red, green and blue bulbs. I mean, you know, and uh, we still like those, you know, and, uh, and and so anyway, we we're just kind of t- reminiscing about different things. The other day we were sitting there talking about, you know, old Christmas things and things that we used to do. And so it's good to do that. And so what Jesus, hey, listen, take the time to remember what it's cost for your salvation. And so that's what we do. We take the time to remember that. We don't do it every meal. We don't do it every time we get together. But we do it so that it's special and it's meaningful. And so this, that's what we do. It was more than uh, just a, than Jesus' last meal. It was a Passover meal as well. And so this is a big deal. So the Passover, you know, if you're familiar with the Old Testament and the plagues that took place there and, and where, you know, God is setting the people free from the bondage that they're in in Egypt... You know, he sent these different plagues and Pharaoh's heart became hard and and anyway, finally, he sends the death angel, if you will. And the death angel is coming. It's going to take the firstborn. And so literally the the, the people had to put the, the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. And so the angel, would, the death angel would pass over that. It would literally pass over that house. And so it's called the Passover. And, and they celebrate. They would take the time to commemorate this. And, and that's what the people did. Passover was an especially holy event for the Jewish people in that it commemorated the time when God spared them from the plague of physical death and brought them out of slavery in Egypt. So not only had they been in bondage, but then they were about to experience physical death. So if they had this blood of the lamb applied to their doorpost, then they would pass over that and that home would be spared. And so Jesus is establishing a new covenant. You know, here they are, they're, they're talking about this, this that took place in the Old Testament. But Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Everything points towards Jesus in the Old Testament. Everything points to this new covenant. Ezekiel talks about it. Isaiah talks about it. And they're pointing to this new covenant that will be established by God himself. And so the new covenant is the promise that God makes with humanity that he will forgive sin. And he will restore fellowship with those whose hearts are turned towards him. And so here we see this new covenant established. The New Testament, the New Covenant is established. And, and, and for, for, for the world that had been searching and waiting for this, this Messiah, this promised one, the one who could pay the price, the one who would be the perfect lamb. Everything pointed towards Jesus. And even in Ezekiel, you know, we see where he talks about our hearts being, it being an issue of the heart. In, in the Old Testament, it, was more, it seemed to be about, you know, these stone tablets and it was about the rules and the regulations and it was about do it following all the letter of the law. But that all that did was reveal that we could not do it. We would never make it. We would always fall short. But he says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. This is in Ezekiel and he's pointing to what God will do whenever he begins to work within us. You know, and it's not about following rules and regulations on the outside. He says, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. He says, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit and you'll be led by the Spirit. And you're going to have the Holy Spirit to guide you and to teach you and to comfort you and to even pray for you when you don't even know how to pray. So Ezekiel, all the way back in, in the Old Testament, is pointing towards Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one. And so Jesus is focused at this Last Supper, establishing this new covenant. Jesus took two symbols associated with Passover and he gave them fresh meaning to remember his sacrifice, which saves us from spiritual death and delivers us from spiritual bondage. And so whenever we look at that, you might say, well, all right, physical death, physical death is when I breathe my last breath. Whenever I, this body 
ends. I mean, when it's done, I will have physical death. But what is spiritual death? Spiritual death is whenever we are separated from God because of our sin. And we're literally put in a place called hell. Is what, or we choose a place called hell. God doesn't put us there. We choose that. So spiritual death is whenever we are literally separated from God because of our sin. And we're no longer have any connection or with anybody else. So whenever we look at the what Jesus taught about hell. And Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heavens. Because he didn't want anybody to ever have to go there. He wanted everyone. It's God's desire that all would be saved. That all would choose salvation. But many will choose the path of destruction. The Bible even says that most will. That few will follow his teaching. Few will be willing to submit and surrender to him as Lord. But Jesus took two symbols associated with, associated with the Passover and he gave them fresh meaning, remembering his sacrifice, which saves us from spiritual death and delivers us from spiritual bondage. There's so many people that men just live in bondage. They live in bondage to sin. And, and maybe it's to past behavior. Maybe it's what your mom did or your dad did. You say, Mike, I'll always be this way. That's the way my family is. It doesn't have to be that way. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You might say, well, that's just the way we are, Mike. That's just, you know, I'm, I'm whatever your background might be. And you say, well, that's just the way we are. No, no, no. You're buying into the lies. You've bought into the distractions. You're listening to the world's teaching rather than what God's word says. But God's word says that we can be a, a new person. We can have a new heart. We can have a new name. We're filled with his spirit. We're led by his spirit. We're changed by that spirit. And too often what we do is we just buy and we say, well, you know, I'm just stuck in this bondage. And we don't have to be. We can be set free by faith in Christ. And so he took these, these simple elements, these, if you will, he took this unleavened bread. And he said, this bread represents my body. This could be broken for you. And then he takes the fruit of the vine. He takes this, this wine or this juice. And he says, this represents my blood that will be poured out for you. But it's poured out so that there will no not be spiritual death for you. But there will be abundant life. And there will not be spiritual bondage, but there will be freedom. Don't you love that? I mean, that's what, that's what communion is about. It's taking the time to remember what he did. Now, here's the thing. Too often we hear that, but we don't walk in that. And we've got to be willing to walk in what God has promised us and what Jesus has provided for us. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He said, hey, listen, take the time to remember this. Take the time to think about what's been done for you. After supper, he took another cup of wine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And see, this is this is. An incredible meal. But what Jesus is doing is he's taking that time. And again, he's leveraging to to teach them. He's teaching them, right? But he's also establishing something. And I would just say to the moms and dads in the room, the grandparents in the room, when we gather around these tables at our homes, man, it's a great time to teach. It's a great time to enjoy fellowship and relationship. But man, it's a great time to establish some truths. And to teach some things to our children. But establishing maybe some traditions. Maybe establishing you know, what we believe in their lives. So they know hey, this is where we stand. Now the cool thing is, is Jesus was preparing. He was setting this teaching up whenever he, he fed the 5,000. So here's another meal that we see. So Jesus is setting up this teaching. And let me just tell you. So most of you guys know the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus is teaching. You know, and, and there are all these people. That, it says there's 5,000 men. And we know there was there was women and children there as well. So there's five thousand just men, and so he looks around and he he tells the disciples, hey, we, you know, they're saying, hey, listen, Jesus, won't you send them home so they can go get food somewhere? They can go to the local drive-through, I guess, or whatever, to get something. And he and Jesus says, hey, listen, why don't you feed them? And they're like, it would take years of wages 
to feed this many people. And so they bring a couple of fishes and loaves to him. And Jesus prays over them. And he begins to break them into pieces and begins to feed thousands upon thousands of people. And everybody's amazed, man. They're like, they're blown away by this, this miracle that's taking place. And then you say, hey, listen, I want you to take up all the leftovers. We're not wasting everything. We're going to be good stewards. We're going to be good managers. And they take up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Now, we don't know if, we don't know if those baskets were like this or if they were baskets this tall. The thing is, is they took up these baskets and, and they brought it back and, and, and they're, they're blown away. And so then Jesus gets away from the crowd and they begin to follow him. And it's because they were focused on, hey, man, this guy just fed us. And it's kind of like you feed a, you know, feed an animal, you know, it tends to follow you, right? You know, you feed people all of a sudden they want to come all the time. Like, hey, man, I want to hang out. That guy get free food. And so Jesus addresses this with them. And he tells them, he said, hey, listen, and, and this kind of rocked everybody's world. But he said, hey, listen. Man, if you're going to be a part of me, he goes, I'm the bread of life. If you're going to be a part of me, if you eat my flesh, they're like, what? And drink my blood. And they're like, what is what kind of teaching is this? And it even says that they said, this is a hard teaching to follow. And some of the disciples, not the 12, but some of the people that were following Christ turned and walked away. They're going, what is he talking about? Man, eat his flesh and drink his blood. Gross, man. I mean, what kind of teaching is this? But they didn't have spiritual understanding of what he was talking about. And so he was setting that teaching up whenever he was feeding the 5,000. So Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And what he's saying, hey, listen, hey, I, can, I can meet the needs that you have. See, we all have this God-shaped void inside of us. We're born with that. And we always have this need to be loved and to be wanted and to be, and to be, to be cared for. And Jesus said, listen, man, I will meet that need. And he said, hey, listen, if you'll come to me, man, I am the bread of life. And I will feel that need that you're searching. And oftentimes we're searching everywhere. We're looking for somebody or something or something to fill that void, that need that we have. And he said, listen, I can, I can feel that hunger. But we're hungry for the things of this world. And what this world says is so filling. And it's not. It's junk food. But Jesus said, listen, I'll give you the best. I'll give you the very best. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You remember the woman at the well was like, what do you mean? Give me this water that will never, I'll never be thirsty again. The people were focused on their bellies and Jesus was focused on their hearts. You know, we have, we struggle with that, don't we? We focus on what we, we want. Like some of you guys are probably hungry right now just talking about food, right? And uh, you're, you're thinking about what you're going to eat out, outside of here. You're not really listening to the message anymore. You've already checked out, maybe. I hope not. But what we do is we have a tendency to really listen to our bellies more than we listen to our hearts. And we let our flesh drive what we do. And so the thing is, is, you know, if I'm, if I'm driven by the flesh, then I will listen to the flesh and I will end up wanting to go down that road. But the Bible talks about being led by the Spirit. And so, you know, I, I go through the, the list of the fruits of the Spirit quite often in my mind. And really from day to day, I do that. There's times that I, I'll realize, I'll go, you know, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I'll go, you know what, I'm not sure I'm bearing those fruits today. And I don't know if you guys do this, but I'll be going through the day and I'll realize, you know what? Man, I'm not being patient with people today. I'm not being patient with God. You know, because we, oftentimes we're, we're like, God, where are you? God, we show up. God, will you do this? And we're like, you know, I'm not being patient with God. And so I have to ask myself, am I, am I bearing those fruits in my life or am I bearing the fruits of the flesh? And if you read the fruits of the flesh, man, they're not good. And they're not anything that you want. There's not anything that you want in your spouse. Not anything you want in your kids. But when you read about the fruits of the flesh, they're not good. But oftentimes I'll go, you know, 
God, am I, am I bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Am I being patient? Am I kind to people? Am I gentle? Am, am I showing self-control? Or am I out of control? And so I'll do that. And so these people were focused on their bellies. And so it was about the flesh. They wanted more food. And Jesus said, listen, you're focused on the things of this world. He said, I have eternal things. And so oftentimes, you know, we, we're, we're so focused on the here and now that we forget that, you know what, we should be focused and hungering for the eternal things. We should get excited about 18 people putting their faith in Christ. That we go, gosh, that is so awesome. God, I want to see more people get saved. We get to see people go through the waters of baptism and we go, man, that is so amazing. I want to see more people come to know Christ and I want to see them go through the waters of baptism. That's the way a church should grow is through the, the baptistry, man. The new believers coming to know Christ. And, and man, you have this hunger for that. And then you have a hunger for the Word of God. You go, man, I got a hunger for the eternal things. Not the things of this world. Not everything that's on TV. Not everything that's being promoted. But God, I'm hungry for the things that will last forever. A hunger for life change. God, a hunger to serve and to, and, to, and to serve others the way that I have been served. God, I want to make a difference. All these decorations, man, there were tons and tons of people that were up here painting and doing things and hanging lights and doing all this stuff. They, they just wanted to serve. They wanted it to be special for you guys. And what happens is we should all hunger for that. God, I want to, I want to be hungry for the things that are eternal, the things that make a difference in the lives of people. God, I want to be hungry to, to see people hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. And God, I want to be one that knows how to share the gospel, that knows how to rightly divide the word of God. God, I want a hunger for those things. But the people oftentimes are just focused on their belly. But God focuses on the heart. He says, hey, listen, let me change your heart. When he changes our heart, you know what he does? He changes everything. When he changes my heart, God starts on the inside and begins to work his way out. But man looks on the outward appearance, right? We always say, hey, i got to clean up the outside. God's like, no, nah, start here. Start at the heart. And when we get our heart right, here's the thing is, it begins to change everything. How I talk, the language that I use, how I see people. I see them the way that Jesus sees them. I love them the way that Jesus loves them. I serve them the way that Jesus served them. And so the more that I allow God to change my heart, the more it changes me. Don't let the distractions cause you to miss the best. Don't get so caught up and focused on the things of this world. I mean, here we are at Christmas, and I know some of you, maybe you're a bah humbug or whatever, but let me tell you, Christmas is awesome. If you're focused on what it's about. If you're focused on Jesus. If you're focused on a Messiah coming. If you're focused on a Savior showing up and splitting splitting time in half and saying, hey, listen, I love these people. I want a relationship with them. Man, if we are focused on what Christmas is about, it's an amazing time of the year. And we need to do everything we can to leverage that message this Christmas season in the lives of the people around us. Maybe around our tables, we talk about Christ. We talk about a Messiah. We talk about a Savior that has saved us. And man, we are so hungry for the eternal that we're not focused on the junk food and the distractions of this world. But we're focused on the meat of God's Word. We're excited about it. So don't get caught up in the distractions and miss the best. So here's some next steps for all of us. To put my faith and my focus on the best, on Jesus. And here's the thing, it's a choice that we have to make, right? Every one of us has to make this choice. I can choose to focus on stuff and things and the chaos of this world and, you know, the political views of everybody and anybody. I can focus on all that garbage or I can focus on the Messiah. I can focus on a Savior being born. I can focus on the true meaning of Christmas. I can focus on the things that are eternal. 
Amen. I can get excited about every day. And I can get excited about every, every opportunity. I can get excited about the things that matter. And whenever I do those things, here's the thing. I begin to experience the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All those things begin to show up in me and in my life. And the people around me are able to go, man, I see Jesus in you because that's what it is. The Spirit is at work, right? So when we focus and we hunger on eternal things, man, it changes everything. So maybe for some of us in the room, we go, God, help me today to choose to focus and to hunger for the things that are eternal. Not the things of this world. Don't settle for the distractions and the junk food of this world. But say, God, I want what you have for me. I want to know you and I want to make you known. That's what Jesus said. Hey, he said, hey, listen, follow me and then take this teaching to the ends of the earth. And so whenever we give to that big give offering, that's what we're doing. We're trying to do everything we can to get the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. You heard Pastor Andre say the other day in those mountains there in South Africa. He said there are people there that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ about his first coming. They've never heard the gospel of Christ. He said, so we go to share with them the good news. So that's why we invest in that. That's why we say, listen, that's a good return. That's a good investment. That's eternal things. So I want to ask you, are you hungry for the things of eternity? If not, just say, God, give me that appetite. And you get that, I, feed, I believe, by beginning to feed on the, on the Word of God and the things of God. And you, here's the thing, you begin to fast, if you will, from the garbage of this world and the junk food of this world. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Are you focused on eternal things? Do you hunger for eternal things? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you're like one of those 18 over the last few weeks. Maybe you're watching online and you've never, you've never accepted Jesus as Lord. You've never surrendered your life to Him. But you realize today that is your greatest need. Then what is keeping you from making that decision? Because you go from spiritual death to life. You go from spiritual bondage to freedom. It's an incredible exchange. You give your sin and you give your life to Him. And He gives you eternal life and He gives you forgiveness. What a gift. What a gift. And so maybe you're here today and you realize, Mike, that's, that's my greatest need. Then I want, I want to lead you through a prayer. And it's not a prayer so much the prayer of your, of your lips as much as it is the surrender of your heart. But I want to walk you through this. And, and, and this could be your prayer today. And prayerfully, if there's anybody here that does not know Christ, they will walk out of here today knowing Him as Savior and as Lord. And so let me walk you through that. And it's, it's as simple as this. It's simple enough that a child can pray this prayer or an old man or an old lady can pray this prayer. But you go, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, I believe you. And so, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have messed up. I have blown it. I have tried everything. I feel, tried to fill this void with everything but you. And so today, Jesus, I come to you with all the faith that I have. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to save me. So, Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? Will you search me? And show me if there's anything I need to confess. I want to confess it to you. And I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. Jesus, will you come into my life? I give you everything. 
with all the faith that I have. If you just prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand just so I can see, just so I can be praying for you. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just prayed the prayer. Raise it high where I can see you. Anybody? I see your hand right there. I see your hand back there. Hey, welcome home. Welcome to the family of God. That's awesome. That is awesome. Maybe you're online. If you did, just let us know. We want to celebrate with you. That's, that's why this church is here. That's why we do what we do is to present the gospel so that people like you can put your faith in Christ and be saved and become a part of the family of God. That's awesome. Man, I love it. Welcome. Welcome home. Let us know. The next step for both of you is to follow Him in Believer's Baptism. We're doing it next Sunday. Come on. Join the family. Let this be your home. We want to walk with you. We're about to share in communion. I want to give everybody an opportunity to respond. The praise team is going to lead us to a time of response. And praise God for these two that have raised their hand for salvation. But, you know, sharing in communion is we're not to approach this table in an unworthy manner or a sinful manner. But we're to ask God to search our hearts and to reveal anything that we need to confess and that we need to repent of. And so I want to ask you, if you would, to be praying about that as you prepare your hearts for this meal. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand and you just respond as the Holy Spirit leads. So everybody, if you would, across the room, just stand. If you're at home, prepare your heart for communion. In just a minute, we'll share that. But they're going to lead us through a song. The altar is open. The prayer team will be here to pray with you. But just make sure your heart's ready before we share in communion. But you just respond as the Holy Spirit leads you during this time. There will be people to pray with you.